We just start with that uh, first question about sacrifice. What really is sacrifice? To start with, the common misconception of sacrifice is to give up something which is uh, external, to give up something. That's how, you know, one understands. And um, it's like sacrificing an object, sacrificing um, money, sacrificing even hairs, sacrificing your food. So this is a crude, Shubhinder says, a crude and vulgar notion of sacrifice. So, uh, and uh, uh, we come to, <laughs> um, can we type a letter? Huh. Uh, you want to search for that? Uh, yeah. So we'll just read something from Shirobindo to bring it into the full fullness of what he's. What really is sacrifice? To start with, Shirobindo reveals there is a background to this that sacrifice is the common law with which the divine has created this universe. So what it means is that um, this is one thing, but I give it to many. So. There is only this much water in it. If I give it only to somebody close to me, it's not sacrifice. But when I share it with everyone, this is the first principle of sacrifice. So the divine has created this universe with sacrifice. To start with its original conception. So who does the first sacrifice? He does the sacrifice, which is called in the Purushukta as the sacrifice of the Purusha, of the divine being. But uh, Shobindo says it's much more than the Purusha, the sacrifice of the Divine Mother. And there are lines in Savitri that she, by her soul sacrifice, uh, by her sacrifice has made her soul the estate of our essence. So she sacrificed all her grandeur, her beauty, her love, her light, so that many, many steps can be made for the ascent of her journey. If she wouldn't have sacrificed, Darkness would have never been rescued. So in the original sense means she gave herself to everything and everybody. So that everything and everybody can hold on to a little ray of a light and ascend back to the one. It's very beautifully conjured in the story in the Upanishads, uh, not Upanishads, in the Puranas, where Sati, who immolates herself, she dies. Why? Because uh, Sati, now you see this is very interesting, the whole story is worth, you know, a little bit uh, recounting. So, Sati is born of Prajapati and Prajapati has many rules and regulations. For him, life is a set of rules, do's, don'ts. For everybody and everything, there is a rule. But Shiva is freedom, freedom and infinity. So, how does a rule-bound consciousness mate with that which is infinite? This is a problem. Though it is stated in the form of a very interesting story, so Sati is never able to give up the ways of her father. Prajapati, which is an old consciousness, which has decided everything should be in a certain way and Shiva has no place in it because everything is rule bound and Prajapati is governing it. How can there be freedom? Whereas Shiva says, my land begins where your bhumi ends. So he starts from Shamshan, the, the cremation ground. Why? Because uh, cremation is the final act when even the physical ego is dissolved. That's why uh, death brings that. No, the, Even you can dissolve ego at other levels. How do you dissolve it at the physical level? Shubindu speaks about it and the mother in in, um, in the agenda at great length. It's not an easy task. And Shiva comes to dissolve the physical ego. Uh, it's documented in the agenda. But in normal courts, our physical ego dissolves when we go to the cremation ground. After that, a new formation will start, physical, vital, mental. 
so this is the difficult part and try as they may this uh, um, uh, this uh, marriage leads to disharmony because for this marriage to be harmonious there is only one way the rule bound consciousness has to surrender completely to the infinite sati loves shiva but she is always torn between the old consciousness and what shiva represents so eventually a time comes when she has to confront this uh, aspect and she realizes that no i made a mistake by listening to the old but the only way that she can change and mate shiva be fit for mating shiva is that she has to finish herself and be reborn so that is the whole idea that she throws herself into the fire and then shiva carries her dead body now what is this throwing in the fire at one level sati is dead now sati is who sati is none else but the divine mother who is incarnated how can she die it's a very interesting question and why shiva is carrying her like an ordinary mortal now death of the divine mother literally means she has accepted this death bound mortality so that she can completely change it she accepts a state of death <clears throat> of utter self oblivion in matter now when shiva carries her body now it's not enough that she has accepted that state that state must reach out to this whole cosmos so vishnu starts destroying her and 54 parts of her body fall on different areas within you know within india so the story is about the sacrifice of the divine mother who chooses self oblivion and becoming like inert matter and becoming many so that matter can evolve so that all around this cosmos in this universe it's a symbolic story people can aspire so somewhere it is her eyes like in nainital it's nana devi somewhere it's her elbow somewhere it's her feet basically it means some aspect or the other of the divine feet service eye vision through so many kinds of aspiration people can once again recreate this is the original sense of the sacrifice now why he has created like this shobindra says it's a natural corrective to egoism one is that we struggle to get rid of our ego but in life also yoga is going on so anybody who tries to live a life only for himself and the satisfaction of his ego he will meet this blockage so he will do efforts for his happiness and suddenly he will find that whatever he did effort for somebody else is enjoying it so people often say that you know what kind what kind of what kind of law there is why god has created such a world but he has created this precisely so that it's a corrective to egoism otherwise human being supposing there was a law where whatever we did our inevitably those for whom we did it they enjoyed it then there will be no corrective to egoism so there is a corrective to egoism it's not punishment it is a natural corrective so this is the second sense in which we understand sacrifice from this derived another practical application so that means in life when we do an action to do an action is given to us but because the law of sacrifice reigns in this world we can lay no claim to the result because i may do everything right but the divine may give him the promotion it happens in life and then i may take it that look you know divine is so bad i did it and here is a man who simply took all my results fabric first the data and he got it what kind of a divine law there is well it is the evolutionary law it is just meant for us to evolve so if i remember so that's why the gita reminds us 
if you remember that you have a right to action but not to the result then you will grow into wisdom and light and truth and peace to start with when we take this approach this is based on sacrifice law of sac- sacrifice that this action for me is a sacrifice now this sacrifice normally we do it for the sake of family this is the ordinary sacrifice this sacrifice is no effect it will either make the family members uh, become you know reap the fruits or very often it will simply uh, you know uh, put them into a state where undeservedly they have earned a lot of things and it may or may not help more often than not it will serve as a block so he says instead of the sacrifice sacrifice for a lesser object for a temporary object sacrifices to the divine now when we do an action for the divine then immediately certain things will happen so if i don't get a promotion i should not be happy that is a proof of the sacrifice i should not be unhappy why because i didn't do it for promotion i did it as an offering to the divine now when i do it as an offering to the divine i'll do it very well because it's for the divine i will make the best possible presentation because i am not doing it for others not doing it for a result but for the joy of serving the divine and everybody may appreciate the presentation but that one coveted fruit is snatched away from me why because divine wants to make me grow closer to him through the path of equanimity and surrender so the whole principle of desireless action starts because of the law of sacrifice because if you don't remember this law you will be unhappy you will try your best but at the end of the day you will not get what you want and you will fret and fume and burn your blood and somebody else's blood your life will be miserable because now but when we do it as a sacrifice then to start with we are at peace but sacrifice to the divine not sacrifice to uh, family members to relatives because that anyways everybody is doing so this is the principle then there is the fourth aspect of the sacrifice that when we offer an action to the divine then this action assumes a different quality and it begins to become purer and purer let's say for instance shubhendra has this very beautiful um, two chapters ascent of the sacrifice where he talks about the yoga of works and knowledge and the sacrifice of works and knowledge and then he says about the sacrifice of love and the psychic being so you know since uh, we have a palace we will talk about psychic being through the way of the gita how to you know help emerge help it to emerge so what really is this sacrifice when in a human relationship we love somebody we do it always with a expectation that oh somebody will uh, also give me love in return or at least acknowledge at least you know uh, say thank you so much at least not backstab <laughs> so this is the minimum but when we say no i am loving not for these things but because uh, so has divine brought together and i love for the sake of the divine now you see how difficult the path becomes but if we do it persistently the energy of love begins to become purer and purer so sacrifice in this sense becomes a way to purify to destroy all that was covering it to destroy all that was uh, you know holding back the divine essence behind things and it becomes pure and pure similarly with action now let's say that one has to speak give a talk and one is preparing it you know preparing a slide show preparing something in the mind oh if i do this how will people respond if i don't say this i should not miss out a point so then i am having a very subtle expectation this expectation may even go for you know fame for people you know uh, saying good things about me but when i offer it to the divine that mother this is for you 
and the rest is unimportant then that action will become more and more perfect because <coughs> divine will take up after a while i mean there is a time till which you have to sacrifice but the time comes when the divine accepts the sacrifice so that's a stage and then when the divine accepts the sacrifice he'll say all right you are doing it for me now i'll do it through you there's a very nice little story of duman bhai <coughs> duman bhai said mother i do your work you do my work so it was as simple as that so <laughs> a smart move you know like that keyword that <clears throat> i'll carry you through this little river you carry me through the ocean of life so this is where the the spirit of sacrifice come now here is what uh, basically it would mean number 1 doing it freedom from the bondage to results doing it as a service to the divine consciousness doing it with a will for purification and removing all that is coming in the way of the purity of the movement any movement it has a pure movement and it is impure so when action is tainted with desire and ego it's an impure movement whereas when the action is not tainted by these things and done for the sake of the divine it becomes a pure movement so action is not the bondage it is the state of consciousness which binds us and that is very simple to understand like if i do it with this idea of getting back something then what happens after the action is done before it is done all the time mind is playing upon it after during the action also there is you know uh, all kinds of nervousness apprehension when the action is done then one is oh will i get the coveted result or not then after a while oh i didn't get the coveted result again i am unhappy or i got the coveted result i am thrilled and excited so i want to do the same action again with the idea of a result so bondage is being created in my works i am not able to remain free whereas if i do it as an offering to the divine it is done and one is gone so there is a freedom inner state of freedom so this is beautifully revealed in many passages in synthesis <clears throat> two passages but it is only a divine love and unity that can possess in the light what the human forms of these things seek for in the darkness so there is a dark ignorant way of connecting with the world and there is another way uh, a luminous way to recover the oneness basically the law of sacrifice is a reminder of the oneness in creation and that we see all the time you know i will just share some very interesting uh, incident how you know this revelation can come even to a child uh, so once in a interaction i was just asking some of these children that okay what did you eat today for breakfast started with that so one of the child says that i had idli now you see how things in everything there is the same spiritual truth you don't have to uh, you know because divine is everywhere so i said oh you 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 uh, you ate idli how was it very nice so where did you get the idlis from so he says well my mom made it he said you got it from the mom or you got it through the mom now you know children started thinking he said through the mom so where did you get it from well the rice came from the shopkeeper so you got it from the shopkeeper or through the shopkeeper i'm just you know making it uh, brief oh through the shopkeeper so where did you get it from so the child says from the fields oh from the fields or through the fields now you know they give a little deeper thought this is how upanishads proceed in many of the upanishads you will find this approach then they said then one child comes up with a revelation oh that means until when in everything everything is there because he realized that in the making of a grain of rice you have the sun you have the water you have the earth you have the wind 
you have the labored sweat everything is there so when i'm eating a grain of rice that's the story of krishna you know that grain of rice through which he can reach out to the whole cosmos and say that you know may the whole cosmos be satisfied so he discovered that in a grain of rice the whole cosmos is shut inside now look this is a revelation revelation of the oneness the of the unity behind cosmos but where comes the defect i say this is my rice and i start holding it now look how coming to narendra modi i can't you know touching upon how a simplest action of a human being can be inspired by truth without his knowing it is inspired by truth now this problem of price rise how mr modi has thought of tackling it look how spirituality is interwoven in the texture of our life he has hit upon this idea that hoarding should stop you know unwittingly he is touching upon a great profound spiritual truth because that is a corrupting element if you are hoarding you are going contrary to the law of sacrifice you have a right to sell fine make money but the moment you hoard that consciousness is a very vitiated and corrupt consciousness and it may look oh what will it do just to you know find 100 hoarders no it's a whole consciousness if this consciousness changes there would be naturally the law of sacrifice will prevail and by that everybody will get what they want so first he reveals that the true unity is not merely an association and agglomeration like that of physical cells joined by a life of common interest it is not even an emotional understanding sympathy solidarity or close drawing together only then are we really unified with those separated from us by the divisions of nature when we annul the division and find ourselves in that which seems to us not ourselves so this is direct that whole vedantic thought we read about the kena upanishad the law of sacrifice prevail a travels in nature towards its culmination in this complete and unreserved self giving it awakens the consciousness of one common self in the giver and the object of the sacrifice so as long as i am giving to someone as you know again with regard to love mother says something very beautiful love there is only one love it is the divine love and it is from the divine within that it goes through this person to the divine within in that person now when that consciousness awakens which is very difficult consciousness to attain because always there will be intrusions of all kinds then one will awaken to the depth of that little grain of uh, light and love which is embedded in our hearts by self giving this culmination of sacrifice is the height even of human love look at it you know he is so that's why a mother simply by the journey of love can attain to the divinity or a woman by satitva that was the idea of satitva even human love can lift you to that level if you do it in the right way i mean if it you turn it into yoga this culmination is the height even of human love and devotion when it tries to become divine for there to the highest peak of love points into heaven of complete mutual self giving its summit is the rapturous fusing of two souls into one now this theory brings in that new element of sacrifice which is there in the vedas the mutual self giving so when you give to the divine the divine gives himself to you or rather to go back to the story the divine first gave himself <clears throat> by giving yourself you re establish the connection from your side 
and so your consciousness begins to change into the consciousness of the divine which is the object of yoga this profounder idea of the worldwide law is at the heart of the teaching about works given in the gita a spiritual union with the highest by sacrifice an unreserved self giving to the eternal is the core of its doctrine so the mother gave that method yesterday we were speaking about at least one hour a day if you can take out to do works unselfishly only as an offering to the divine i will be amazing just one hour a day so we can pick up a time either in the office even when we are sitting quietly we can offer our meditation to the divine not with the idea of having this or that experience we can offer reading to the divine mother i am reading this and this is just my offering not that what i will get out of it so this way we can proceed and then that point that you know where sacrifice is misunderstood the vulgar conception of sacrifice is an act of painful self immolation isn't it that's the idea austere self mortification difficult self effacement this kind of sacrifice may go even as far as self mutilation and self torture now you know who does this kind of sacrifice the asura and the rakshasa why because for them this is the only sacrifice that they understand they are at a level when you have to do it when human ego and consciousness is very crude then it has a meaning imagine a person who values only the hair and the hair style naturally for him to lose hairs at tirupati is something great for one month he won't look good and for him it is really a sacrifice but if you ask me like give your hairs to tirupati i'll say any time why tirupati if somebody needs it take it <laughs> it doesn't matter because there in fact it may even give a sense of ego wow i have sacrificed <laughs> but for the <clears throat> consciousnesses which are vulgar and crude there are vulgar and crude methods that's why in tantra you have these three levels of worship pashuvat even self mutilation ravana is offering his head physical head it is pashuvat but or in pashu tantra that in pashupati shiva comes as pashupati where you offer the animal but the same shiva transforms himself into the you know where you give give him your ego and that renunciation of the ego and of the animal parts in us that is the true sense of it but for a crude humanity it doesn't understand it doesn't even know what is ego but supposing it has a goat which is is very attached to and you know it's going to bring money it says okay this one of the goat which is my means of livelihood i am parting it is very crude it is very vulgar it has nothing to do with the true sense of sacrifice but for the vulgar minds this is how it is like in olden times people used to even sacrifice human beings because that was the only way to remind that look the totality is greater than the individual because humanity was in a very crude state so he says this is not sacrifice these things may be temporarily necessary in man's hard endeavor to exceed his natural self if the egoism in his nature is violent and obstinate so for the rakshasa and asura this is the kind of sacrifice he understands he doesn't understand anything higher and deeper it has to be met sometimes by an answering strong internal repression and counterbalancing violence 
So people who are very, very greedy, who just can't control their tongue, it's all right for them to say, okay, for uh, one day um, till night I will fast. This is not actually sacrifice, but for a nature which is cannot control itself at all. That's why the mother says at one place that it's far um, more difficult and valuable to eat in moderation than to not eat at all for one particular day. Because what happens then, after repression, it hits back and you end up indulging. <clears throat> but again, she say, he says, for violent and crude natures, they understand only this, fast, don't eat. But much more difficult is the sacrifice which goes on throughout. If I am offering this food to the divine, will I offer stale food? Will I, you know, offer food like a glutton? What will I offer? I am feeding him. So the whole thing will change. But the Gita discourages any excess of violence done to oneself. For the self within is really the Godhead evolving. Now look at these lines, magnificent, I'll read again. But the Gita discourages any excess of violence done to oneself. That's why it says the path of moderation. Even Buddha spoke about it, the path of moderation, the path of balance, not by an excess done to oneself. For the self within is really the Godhead evolving. It is Krishna, it is the divine. It has not to be troubled and tortured as the titans of the world trouble and torture it, but to be increased, fostered, cherished, luminously open to a divine light and strength and joy and wideness. How this truth got distorted in a whole line of Vaishnava Tantra, where they practice Pushtimar. Pushtimar, you treat the divine as a baby, Krishna as baby. So these people end up torturing themselves a lot because morning when they get up in Pushtimarg, before you do anything, you have to go and wake him up, baby Krishna with milk and all that. Because he's a baby. And <laughs> you do all this. And in that relation, you cannot ask anything from him. Because if you ask, how can you ask your baby? Give me this, give me that. There is a discipline, but it's an inner process. Shobindo brings the right uh, understanding of it that Krishna within, like a baby, is evolving. He is shut inside a, a whole, you know, prison house. You have to, you cannot treat him roughly, violently, crudely, uh, torture him by all kinds of excesses. But you have to foster him, encourage him. It is not oneself. So, what really is the meaning of that kind of sacrifice? But the band of the spirit's inner enemies that we have to discourage, expel, slay upon the altar of the growth of the spirit. These can be ruthlessly excised, whose names are desire, wrath, inequality, greed, attachment to outward pleasures and pains, the cohort of usurping demons that are the cause of the soul's errors and sufferings. So this is the, this also is painful. But whatever pain it gives, that has to be done. But not the object itself, that okay, I'll not work, I'll not meet anybody, I'll not speak, I'll not eat. That is a torture. But I'll eat, try to keep the greed away. Far more difficult, far more subtle, but that is the sense of the sacrifice. But the true essence of sacrifice is not self-immolation, it is self-giving. 
its object not self effacement but self fulfillment its method not self mortification but a greater life not self mutilation but a transformation of our natural human parts into divine members not self torture but a passage from a lesser satisfaction to a greater ananda i mean reading these words itself is uplifting you need nothing else <laughs> i have a question self giving self offering and sacrifice i've been hearing you use interchangeably yes, yes. in the sense in there the are distinctions, distinctions. Yes, there are distinctions yes. to start with um, for instance we live a life of the ego and driven by desire when i start offering this ego and the desire at the feet of the divine and leave the it up to him to satisfy and to whatever extent he can satisfy that ego and desire that is consecration or self offering take for instance um i want to do well in my career now i put my efforts but leave it to the divine to make me get promotion or not so if he gives me promotion i am grateful if he doesn't give me promotion i am more grateful because he has given me now the chance to go to the next level <laughs> but i am still leading the life for the ego and desire so by consecration this there is a purification that begins to take place then comes the next step where not only the result i am ready to surrender even the efforts to the divine so it goes to a point where you know these uh, there is a nice word in the gita sarv sankalp sanyasi i wait for the divine impulsion and i act under that divine impulsion allow the action to develop into us we spoke about that in the previous and then comes the final stage where there is self giving where there is no reservation nothing like i am giving but the whole life is a flow towards the eternal that obviously cannot come when we are at step one so consecration offering then comes surrender and then comes self giving so self giving is the highest way of sacrifice but it starts with consecration there is only one thing painful in the beginning to a raw or turbid part of the surface nature so again here you see again we talked about vedantic methods now the difficulty is now a lot of vedant so called vedantic methods nowadays they proceed from the mind so you will read the literature they say that the emotions should be not allowed to play because they interfere with the understanding actually more than the emotion the mind also interferes with understanding but we don't realize it so you know they crush the emotions because you know it will be a disturbance they crush the vital will because it's a disturbance but what is that that is also a kind of self mutilation because you are not fulfilling all the members into the divinity whereas here not only the mind will be open to a luminous understanding the heart to a purer form of love the will to a more luminous action in the universe so that's where shubhendra speaks of not self mutilation but self fulfillment it is the so what is the only painful thing in the beginning it is the indispensable discipline demanded the denial necessary for the merging of the incomplete ego so every time uh, pain it's a index that no my sacrifice was not really 
correct it was not uh, not yet sincere it was not yet true otherwise why would i be pained by the result you know sometimes we all get interesting letters so one of the letters i got you know uh, i have surrendered everything to the divine but you know people are so nasty they are not good to me and everything <laughs> so if you have surrendered this will not come to you there will be no complaint there will be no grudging because you have surrendered so now surrender literally means you deal with me the way you want to deal with me if you if you take away fine i have no complaint so that is where surrender develops so initially this discipline that one has to impose is the painful part it is a self discipline inner discipline it's not something external tell them what we are going to say on surrender but they giving up sir ha yeah yeah people give up first thing they surrender is the common sense unfortunately <laughs> which is so uncommon that also he added <laughs> so uh, <laughs> but for that there can be a speedy and enormous compensation now when you read this passage from shirvindo look at shirvindo you know uh, how beautifully when he says this uh, one may feel oh my god Shubindu is asking us to impose all this discipline, and maybe a novice seeker may feel, "Oh, it's uh, I have to do all this." So, like a loving father, he's saying, "No, no, don't worry. Something else will come in its place." So he's rushing to explain. The next sentence is, "But for that, for the discipline and the pain, there can be a speedy and enormous compensation in the discovery of a real, greater, or ultimate completeness in others." in all things in the cosmic oneness in the freedom of the transcendent self and spirit in the rapture of the touch of the divine he says don't worry your little pleasures which you are being asked to sacrifice don't worry in its place something else will come the delight of the divine the touch of the divine the oneness of the divine our sacrifice is not a giving without any return or any fruitful acceptance from the other side it is an interchange between the embodied soul and conscious nature in us and the eternal spirit mm. for even though no return is demanded yet there is the knowledge deep within us that a marvelous return is inevitable at one place shirvinda says very beautifully uh, self giving is the best policy but only it should not be done as a policy so it brings its results but you should not be done with this idea that well i'll get back something the soul knows that it does not give itself to god in vain claiming nothing it yet receives the infinite riches of the divine power and presence and then he comes to uh, this last part of the sacrifice because you know it connects also to what we read in the previous last there is to be considered the recipient of the sacrifice and the manner of the sacrifice the sacrifice may be offered to others family members community society or it may be offered to divine powers the various gods or aspects of the divine or it may be offered to the cosmic all or it may be offered to the transcendent supreme the worship given may take any shape from the dedication of a leaf or flower a cup of water a handful of rice 
a loaf of bread to consecration of all that we possess and the submission of all that we are. Whoever the recipient, whatever the gift, it is the supreme, the eternal in things who receives and accepts it. Even if it is rejected or ignored by the immediate recipient. So when we give something mm. to somebody, we should not give it to that person with a certain return. We should give it in the state that I am giving it to the divine within that person. Now what happens to the that other person may react and say, Wow, you are giving me this, I don't want this, I don't need it. But mind you, the divine has received it. How beautiful this is. The divine is offered in that spirit, then regardless of the result, we grow. For the Supreme who transcends the universe is yet here too. However veiled in us and in the world and in its happenings, He is there as the omniscient witness and receiver of all our works and their secret master. All our actions, all our efforts, even our sins and stumblings and sufferings and struggles are obscurely or consciously known to us and seen or else unknown and in a disguise governed in their last result by the one. This is the beauty of this path. What a wide path. And that reminds of Shurabindu's Vedanta. We are talking about that in Savitri. He who has saved this world is ever its Lord. Our errors are his steps upon the way. He works through the fierce vicissitude of our lives. He works through the hard breath of battle and toil. He works through our sins, our sufferings and our tears. So what we should do? Whatever the appearance we must bear. Whatever our strong ills and present fate, when nothing we can see but drift and bail, a mighty guidance leads us still through all. And then the great hope, a date is fixed in the calendar of the unknown. Look, Shivindo's touch of gentle humor. A date is fixed in the calendar of the unknown, an anniversary of our birth sublime. Our souls shall justify its checkered walk all shall come near that now is not or far and then the two master lines the path the wide path because everything is leading us towards the divine what we call as seemingly good and what we call as seemingly bad and if we can uh, conscious yoga means that I turn everything into a spirit of sacrifice and go through life then it will change into a conscious yoga so he says after we have served this great, divided world. God's bliss and oneness are our inborn right. We don't have to try, strive, worry. If we do it in that spirit, with this knowledge as the background, with life as an offering to the eternal, after we have served, look, he's not saying that withdrawn from the world. After we have served this great, divided world, God's bliss and oneness are our inborn right. When Shubhindu was asked in one of his letters by one of the disciples that all this is fine, but is it possible to realize Satchidanand only through works? Should we not sit and meditate at Sekta? Shubhindu says, Good Lord, then all that I have written in the essays on the Gita is absurd. Of course it is realizable, the Satchidanand, 
only through works can we imagine. So this is a vast path. So these papers you brought? Hmm? Yes. What are these papers? Orville, the mother said, is the city of human unity. It is working in that direction, but we have a serious problem right now. We have speculators who are attempting to buy land next to the Matrimandia and build hotels, nightclubs, etc. And Dr. Karan Singh said, if we do not get the land, we will not be able to build the city. So I have been asked to be the spokesman for Acres for Oroville, which is concentrating on purchasing those pieces of land around the Matrimandia and then afterwards in the international zone where Mother wanted all the pavilions. In 1971, the few of us who were in Oroville, a few dozens of us, there were two different sides, both very sincere. One side said, pay the villagers anything they want. Don't rush to buy the land because the land is all they have. The other side, which I represented, was that we should buy the land immediately. Even if they were asking very little for it, we should buy the land. It was mother's vision of a city of human unity. And we had an impasse. So I went to Monsieur André, and I said, would you ask Mother to give us the answer for this? And actually, he came out to Oroville in the area that Mother named Peace, and we had a community gathering. And Monsieur André said, Mother has given her answer, and he quoted, very brief, Buy the land now. You do not know the power of greed. And today there are small pieces of land, eighth of an acre, in which they're asking lakhs. Worthless land. But they've held on to it, because we wouldn't buy it. We wouldn't put the money into that, put it into other things. Now it is at a critical stage. So we have set up donations, and people who live in the U.S. can get 100% tax deduction. In India, it's 50% tax deduction. So I'll pass these out to all of you, and 
of course, HP is much stronger than I am, and he said, give your checks to Narod, <laughs> and, and, and he'll pass them to the right people, so make them out now. <laughs> I don't quite say that, but, but uh, yes, it, it will be a gesture of self-offering if you can do this for Mother's Vision of Oroville. So I'll start here with this group, and we can start here. If I may add a small suggestion, since you know you mm. just shared it, and uh, I'm doing it as pure the inner inspiration, based on whatever we were reading. I didn't know that you know we are going to ah. have this. You know, very often when we are faced with such a situation, we are caught up in a dilemma. The dilemma is that look, I mean. It needs a lot of money, and the natural thought is that we have to give a lot of money, and uh, it's too much, and we don't give at all. Uh, but there is another way to do it, and I found this is very, very useful and helpful for growth. That even if it's a small amount, a token amount, but something, if we give, it adds to a, it has a repercussion in the occult world. So I have seen it, uh, you know, in centers, society centers, um, that there was a lot of problem with regard to funds. They were just not coming. Uh, I'm just adding that occult dimension to it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, everybody would wait, or somebody has to come and give lakhs of rupees and crores of rupees, and probably, you know, they, they should add this to this whole brochure so that within Auroville the movement starts. Now, uh, then... We just started, we were just two of us. We said, okay, a small amount. And you know what was the small amount? You can't imagine. The whole center, it's a Maharaja's palace, which was running in deficit. Minus 7,000 means when they asked me to look after the place, they were, uh, there was 5,000 rupees in, in the bank and 12,000 to be paid as bills. <laughs> so we started with 100 rupees as an offering. And within months, the way things snowballed, and lakhs of rupees poured in, Shobindu's relics came, everything. So what I feel is, between the yes or no, there is another part, which is a very interesting part, where we connect with the work. It doesn't matter, to whatever extent, to a very small extent, but it has its action. This is what I have actually seen. And Mother used to say that sometimes you break a critical barrier in the mind, by this action. Another very interesting story is when, uh, uh, you know, how this sacrifice has repercussions on, it's not just our, it has repercussions on uh, the world. So for a long time in the ashram context, there was uh, uh, nobody to clean the toilets. So, you know, uh, everybody would come to do yoga and sadhana. But yoga and sadhana did not have the menu of cleaning the toilets of others. One's own is okay. So, you know, whenever this was asked, no, no, I think, you know, no, somebody wants to meditate, somebody wants to work in a good department, this, that. And then one day, Ravindraji, uh, you know, got very frustrated with this whole thing. He said, Mother, forget about all this. I am going to do it. Enough of waiting for somebody who will come and offer himself spontaneously for offering the toilets, cleaning, I'll do it. So mother smiled and said, okay, you wait for a few more days. Suddenly, within a week's time, three persons came and who specifically said, we want to do this work in the ashram and join as, you know, inmates. 
So Ravindra ji was very confused. He asked, what is it, mother? How? I mean, did you see it? And if you saw it, why didn't you do it earlier? He says, no, I knew. But there was a mental block in everybody's mind that this should not be done. This is a low work. <clears throat> now, by your offering, readiness, you cleared that block. Look how mother's vision is. And so suddenly there were people who came only for this work. How amazing, you know, the whole story can be. And I want to share a story of mother about the amount that one gives. When, after the period when there was almost nothing in the ashram, money started to come in. But there was one postal delivery man. And every month, he gave from his meager salary one rupee to mother. He did that for a long time. And one month, the rupee didn't come. Mother sent her secretaries out to find this man to see if he was all right because that rupee was given with such a heart of offering and it meant more than crores to mother. In fact, at one place when somebody sent her one rupee, it reminds me of that story. Yeah. In the train, somebody was hearing the stories of mother who was present there, uh, ordinary hawker. So when the next station came, he was getting down, he said, you know, I don't know who your mother is, but I am very fascinated with whatever I have heard. So can you give her this one rupee from my side? So the devotees took it and when they gave to the mother, mother went into a trance feeling that money. And she said the divine will find it difficult to repay back to him. The divine will find it difficult to repay back. So you know uh, how the inner state of offering with what a state he must have done it. <laughs> so, so we can uh, maybe uh, uh, close this with um, or we can have some other question then we can close it at the end with this meditation. With some other question. A personal story of mine. I was in New York City and I became a partner in a very successful restaurant. I was making money that I had never seen before, hundreds of dollars an evening in addition to salary and everything else. And I heard this voice, and the voice said, go to California and help Jyoti Priya. So it was there every night, same voice. And I wrote to mother, no answer. I waited one month listening to this voice. And I wrote mother again. And the telegram came. And mother said, my answer to you was so positive that I thought I had written it. And so she wasn't concerned about the money. She was concerned about my soul 
and its progress and being given the opportunity to work with Jyoti Priya. I could have given her so much money. She wasn't interested. And I worked for next to nothing in California. <laughs> yeah, there was this another very interesting experience. Yeah. Somebody told me, you reminded me of that, uh-huh. that this um, this lady went to Shirvinder's room and she came from a you know rich family, rich background. So as she was going to go into the room, she had kept an envelope with uh, some amount of money kept as an offering. She's trying to look for it. She couldn't find the envelope. Now, you know, you are in Shirobinda's room. You are fumbling with purse, envelope. So you are caught up in two things. Now, she's open to this inner faculty of uh, inner uh, hearing, Shruti, and um, truth audition and truth uh, vision, but truth audition particularly. So she hears this uh, Shirobinda's voice. You can offer your money anywhere. But here, give yourself. <laughs> so, <Yeah. see. laughs> you can offer your money anywhere, but here, give yourself. So she said, she was sharing me this experience of hers. She said, look, bhai. I mean, I was totally taken aback. And when she comes out, then she found everything, the envelope and everything. Then she offered it somewhere else in the ashram. I said, naturally, when you are in front of the divine, <laughs> give yourself. Give completely. <laughs> And then the other story is sort of the opposite, where this very wealthy lady yeah. is come, comes before mother and she's giving her all these jewels and she's holding each one up before mother. How precious. And mother was just so looking like that. She was not interested in that. One has to give truly from, from one's soul, from one's heart. One has to offer oneself How many acres so, of land have to be acquired? Well, right now we're just we're just concentrating. <laughs> no, we're just concentrating. We're concentrating on on the area around the Matrimandir, and then into the international zone. There's also another lands for Oroville that's been going on for years, but this is uh, the effort of one lady, whom we know. Her name is Mandakini. She lives in France. <laughs> and she's taken this up, and she's a tiger. She's going to find this money for Oroville so that speculators cannot come in. No, the question was, I mean, is it millions of dollars? Or no, how many acres? We don't know. I don't know. This is just no, an informative I mean, it, it stage. Specific goal. <clears throat> it's good to have a goal. We want to buy this. Actually, there's a map which a uh, at cost. some long, long back I had seen yeah, where they had shown those pockets. And also it will be interesting because when you, you know, uh, mm. mentioned this, it will be of interest. Now, this is apart from the money mm. and other parts. <clears throat> that will be worthwhile for Aurovillians to look inside. Why is it mm-hmm. that the villagers of a certain kind who are trying to grab for, uh, you know, building up hotels and mm. bars and nightclubs, mm-hmm. there is something in the consciousness which draws certain forces. Mm. So. At both levels, the working should <coughs> yes. be done. But if you work only at one level, it will again get sucked out. So it's a very, you know, uh, this is apart from this aspect. Because this has happened, in, even in ashram, this has happened. Yes, so much is. waste, so much uh, got, you know, down the drain, simply because 
the consciousness when it is not ready whatever you may try or do and I think it happened in Oroville before right there was a secretary yes, who was yes. sitting on millions of dollars oh yes and so that is the other part feel yeah. all these donations came to him and he yeah. always wasted but having said that the thing is the receive, the giver who gives with that yes. that's why the true consciousness yes that whatever may be done by those who receive it yet your connection with the divine has been made because you have given with the true consciousness x so but that will help in individual sadhana whether it will fulfill the collective work or not that is a different matter because for collective work collectivity has to be ready right. for receiving that we have a, a flower many of you will know it the hydrangea mother has named it collective harmony she says possible only by the divine only by the divine and incidentally one of the things which draws money is collective harmony in a group body yes, yes. one of the things that draws money is collective yes. harmony they are very closely interconnected money at the vital level connects you know it's a force in the vital which connects people in a commonality and its equivalent at the spiritual level is harmony that's why we see mahalakshmi the mother of love harmony but what she becomes on the most vital plane is the power of wealth <laughs> that's why in the indian thought and collective harmony draws whereas wherever there is infighting invariably the money power gets drained out so so whole occult side to this journey which is so interesting <laughs> but we also have to be we have to realize that mother brought all kinds yes in the ashram and oroville because she had to work out all the problems of the world and she once told us and i remember this clearly do not think you are anything special each of you represents a problem of the world to be worked out uh there's good opportunity for humility <laughs> yeah absolutely so um if there is nothing else then we can read this passage unless there is some other quick question then we can meet at night or even evening we can continue whatever i mean i'm fine we are sailing in mother's ocean of light so narat maybe you can read because uh, you know when your whole thing you know lift your eyes towards the sun right up to here this whole paragraph starting from here yeah, all the way down yeah, from the top yeah from no from no. here lift your eyes towards okay. the sun right up to the end of this breath. paragraph breath. yeah breath okay. now i'll just give a background this is from isha vasya <clears throat> upanishad so you know we were talking about vedanta so um the shyobindo uh, in the form of a guru student dialogue he wrote this isavas upanishad where there is a dialogue between a guru and a student because that was the original sense of the upanishads incidentally upanishads literally meant two things one going to the heart of inner knowledge second meaning was sitting at the feet of the guru upanishad so that's how it came so it also means upanishad going in into the heart of inner knowledge that which is inside so that's why up word comes and it also comes up also means below nishad so it means also sitting at the feet of the master so uh, 
here it's like a guru student where student raises questions what is oneness how we can recognize it how we can realize it what is the way and one by one guru is clearing the cobwebs in the mind of the student and leading him towards that state of oneness now here in this passage there are many such passages he gives a very powerful method of meditation so very often we say that you know is there a way of meditation now here is a passage so if we just uh, absorb this passage and maybe for the next 5 uh, 10 minutes just go into that state and then we can live try to live this the guru no there is no difficulty once you have the key but try to realize what it means lift your eyes towards the sun he is there in that wonderful heart of life and light and splendor watch at night the innumerable constellations glittering like so many solemn watchfires of the eternal in the limitless silence which is no void but throbs with the presence of a single calm and tremendous existence see there orion with his sword and belt shining as he shone to the aryan fathers 10000 years ago at the beginning of the aryan era sirius in his splendor lyra sailing billions of miles away in the ocean of space remember that these innumerable worlds most of them mightier than our own are whirling with indescribable speed at the beck of that ancient of days with a none but he knoweth and yet that they are a million times more ancient than your himalaya more steady than the roots of your hills and shall so remain until until he at his will shakes them off like withered leaves from the eternal tree of the universe imagine the endlessness of time realize the boundlessness of space and then remember that when these worlds were not he was the same as now and when these are not he shall be still the same perceive that beyond lera he is and far away in space where the stars of the sudden southern cross cannot be seen still he is there and then come back to the earth and realize <coughs> who this he is he is quite near to you see yonder old man who passes near you crouching and bent with his stick 
Do you realize that it is God who is passing? There a child runs, laughing in the sunlight. Can you hear him in that laughter? Nay, he is nearer still to you. He is in you. He is you. It is yourself that burns yonder millions of miles away in the infinite reaches of space, that walks with confident steps on the tumbling billows of the ethereal sea. It is you who have set the stars in their places and woven the necklace of the suns, not with hands, but by that yoga, that silent, actionless, impersonal will which has set you here today listening to yourself in me. Look up, O child of the ancient yoga, and be no longer a trembler and a doubter. Fear not, doubt not, grieve not, for in your apparent body is one who can create and destroy worlds with a breath. It doesn't happen in the letters. It's in the end of the letters. In the original editions, they left it all out. They put it in another book called Letters on Poetry and Art. The English, if I remember correctly, the one unmoving is swifter than fate. The gods cannot overtake it, for it travels ever in front. It moves and it moves not. It is far from us and it is very close. The letters? No. Yeah, it's the end of the letters. This one. This this one. But anyway, what he's looking for, that is there in this. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. It's there in That's the Nisha Upanishad, yes. Yes, it's, it's in the Upanishad, yes. And in this also. And Sri Aurobindo quotes it at the end of the letters on Savitri, but they haven't put the letters in this volume. In fact, there's an explanation also in this. Mm. It's so beautiful. So we go back to the main menu. 
Actually, in the East Upanishad, it's a um, it arranged in the form of um, like uh, two three slokas come together. They are part of a package. So the first three slokas go together because they flow from one into another. So I'll just uh, read the first three slokas, then come to the other two. Is that fine? So first three slokas which form part of unity. One unity is. regarded the Upanishad as the foundation of the divine life. So it's a foundational. In fact, it is said that even if in Indian civilization everything was destroyed, but only Upanishad was saved, it would rebuild the civilization. Such is the power of this Upanishad. And this is one of the smallest ones, just 18 slokas. All this is for habitation by the Lord. Whatsoever is in individual universe of movement in the universal motion. Means that the whole universe is moving, but within it everything is moving. And in everything there is the universe, uh, the, the Lord, who is the stable basis of all things. By that renounced thou shouldst enjoy Lust not after any man's position because enjoyment doesn't come by position. Enjoyment comes by letting go and entering into that vastness. Then the second one which flows from it. Therefore, if one may use the word, Kurvan nevehe karmani jiji visheshatang sama evam tvai na anyeto asti na karma lipyate nare. Because such is the truth. Therefore, doing verily works in this world. One should wish to live a hundred years. Thus it is in thee and not otherwise than this. Action cleaves not to a man. And if you don't do this, there is the other way of life. Asurya nam te loka andhena tamasavrata tanste prityabhigachanti yeke chatmahano jana. Sunless are those worlds and enveloped in blind groom. Where to all they in their passing hence resort who are slayers of their souls. And now come these two, uh, two couplets which you just mentioned. Ane jadekam manso javiyo nenad deva apnu van purva marshat tadhavato na anyanyeti tishthat tasmin napo matrishwa dadhati. One unmoving that is swifter than mind. That the gods reach not, for it progresses ever in front, even the gods cannot reach it. That standing passes beyond others as they run. In that the master of life establishes the waters. This waters is the streams of creation that flow from the one. And this goes with the next couplet. Tade jati that moves 
and that moves not, that is far and the same is near, that is within all this and that also is outside all this. Does it not sound like a Zen story? It is Zen. Exactly. The original Zen is here. This is the original Zen. Its purpose was to shock the mind and shake it from its limited concepts. And by that shock, help it to enter into yes. something vast. That moves and that moves not. <laughs> that is far and the same is near. That is within all this and that also is outside all this. Then again come two which follow again each other. Now you see how this Upanishad is flowing. These two which are which we are going to read now, we just read an explanation of that, lift or rise towards the sun. Yastu Sarvani Bhutani Atma Nevanu Pashyati Sarva Bhuteshu Chatmanan Tato Navijugupsati. These uh, two slokas which we are going to read were Shurbindu's favorite in the jail. Alipur jail very often these were the slokas he would meditate upon and walk and he has said this is the most powerful image of meditation ever given to man and what is this but he who sees everywhere the self in all existences and all existences in the self shrinks not thereafter from aught and then this the next one is even more powerful. That's what we read. Yasmin Sarvani Bhutani Atma Vabhud Vijanata Tatra Komoha Kashoka Ekatvam Anupashyata. He in whom it is the self being that has become all existences that are becomings. So he who realizes this, that this creation is nothing but an extension of the divine within. He has realized it. For he has the perfect knowledge. How shall he be deluded? Whence shall he have grief who sees everywhere oneness? So you see, divine fulfills all the wishes. I had this in mind to read Yishupanishad. Oh. <laughs> and he made sure that it comes through somehow or the other. <laughs> so the method of these verses was in the Vedantic system, original system, was that you read them and meditate upon their truths. That's all. Such a direct, powerful method. And that's why Shobinda gives that method to the student. Meditate upon this truth. So one day by the power of meditating upon this truth, it will begin to reveal itself and you will realize it. That's as direct as that. Nothing else is required. And that's why Savitri, same process Yovinda has used. The Savitri is a mantra. When you read it, the word repeats itself in rhythmic chant. The hearer uh, he, uh, hears uh, or understands only a you know index yeah. thought then musing upon the index thought yeah, he labors to catch bright hints but then the mind falls silent in himself to know 
then the revelation burst forth. So this is the process of Vedanta. Vedantic knowledge is by this method. That you take up an idea. This is how Raman Maharishi also used to do it. So he would say people to just engage in that was Gyan Yoga. Only in one question. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? We take the other way. We know who I am. I want to know who you are. <laughs> That's how we started the session. <laughs> I know who I am. <laughs> I want to know who you are. I have one question. This idea that uh, you mentioned it a couple of times today of man being, in a sense, more special than the gods, at least my impression is in in it, in India, this idea has decayed or has probably been, is this one of those, because it seems like it's there in the Vedas, it's there in the Upanishads again and again, that this capacity for man. It's there in the Gita. When he, we just read Annideva and Shurabindra spoke about it, sacrifice done to the other gods. Is there? Yes. It has been lost. When mother was asked about it, she says it was deliberately taken away from man. In one of the Hall of Harmony classes we read out. Mm. So mother says it's there again in volume 10 and we can, you know, take it out also. That she says why this idea was taken away from him because... Uh, it made him swell with pride because mm. he caught it by the wrong end. So, opposite of, uh, huh. so he had to be thrown into the dust to make him humble. <laughs> because otherwise this idea, this truth, if grasped by unchastened mind, again this all is divine, this truth grasped by unchastened mind can pervert everything. I'll give you an example. Somebody asked me once in one of the sessions, you know, ek Urdu, Urdu ka couplet quote kiya. He quoted, you know, something from uh, Urdu poetry. Ya Rab, sharaab peene de masjid mein baith kar, ya wo jaghe bata de jahan par khuda na ho. Let me drink in the mosque or you tell me where God doesn't exist. Very beautiful, very powerful. So he asked my comment on it. I said, yes, this is so true. That is why one should not drink anywhere because God is everywhere. So, you know, you have the other side of it also. That one is not willing to see because everything is sacred. So, he is putting it in this way that Yaram Sharab Pine De Majid Nebatkar. Because, you know, God is everywhere. So, you allow me to drink in the mosque. But it can be taken in the other way. Because God is everywhere, you should deal everywhere with the sense of the sacred. And don't confine it only to a special place. So, you are not prepared for that. <laughs> that answer. So these scriptures are like that. And Shubhinda says in one of his aphorism, uh, the word of the scripture is like a double-edged sword. <clears throat> if wielded by unchaste minds, it falls upon and destroys the wielder. Uh, yeah. It's so... So man is greater than the gods. But imagine, you know, and it happens everything, like Shurabindu's yoga. See how uh, readily we start believing that, you know, we are undergoing a whole lot of physical transformation. We have to go so far. We have to conquer the very attachment to the body, fear of death, before we can come to that point where it is no more my body on which it is happening. But the body is offered. If you want to work on it, look at mother's uh, expression at one place. She says, it doesn't matter whether it is realized in this body or some other body. <laughs> yeah. 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 
so it's a paradox so that is why this power was taken away from man otherwise if you go back even to the puranas this is there human beings challenging the gods and conquering it's a very great idea powerful idea to yes. live by and realize but the mother says the door to that is the psychic being you cannot do it yes. otherwise only psychic being can take you beyond the gods